Uh, good morning, Akron Alliance. It is uh, just about 9.30 a.m. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Welcome to Sunday School. Uh, we are going to go ahead and get started uh, while we allow people to get on with us uh, and hear music, praise music from the Detroit Mass Choir. The storm is passing over. So we appreciate you being here this morning. Thanks for stopping by. Good morning, Deneen. Hi, good morning, Ann. Good morning, Mr. Fry. Yeah, good morning, Larry, too. Thank you. Good morning, Jackie. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Jasper. Praise the Lord. Hope you're doing better, my friend. Good morning. Angie, good morning. I'm going to guess Arlen's in there somewhere. and Joanna, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Miss Laura's on. Good 
Oh wait, there's more. Tell you one thing, there's got to be like a million people in that choir. Well, probably just over a hundred, something like that. Um, that was the Detroit Mass Choir, The Storm is Passing Over. That's an old school song. Um, if you were actually to see the video where that comes from, you would know what I was talking about by looking at it. Um, but it's a beautiful song. And thank you again for the praise team uh, for helping provide music for us on Sunday mornings. It's been a real great. Uh, treasure to have that as we lead into looking at what the word has to say yeah that's a big choir yeah, that's a big choir um, need to multiply our choir by about 20 to get to that one uh, but uh, just thank you again for being here this morning uh, we have a couple of announcements first of all just uh, want to remind everyone that um, when um, <clears throat> Sunday school is over with in the timeline when you uh, go out of Sunday school, you'll be able to see the morning message. Uh, the morning message uh, is uh, it's going to be all right. That's one that uh, uh, message I provided for this week. So uh, please make sure that you just scroll in the timeline and look for that. Uh, it'll be posting uh, in about nine minutes or so. Uh, it'll be up and available. Uh, but please make sure that you uh, take a look at that today for the uh, morning worship service message as well, too. Um, it's after Sunday school. Um, it's not there now, uh, so you, you won't see it until we get to that point. Please remember your tithes and offerings. Um, please remember uh, to uh, take care of the uh, offerings for, for the church. Uh, you are able to uh, drop your tithes and offerings off if you are in the Akron area in the drop box between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. This uh, a little bit later on uh, today. If you want to mail it, please mail it to Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, 688 Diagonal Road in Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate that because we're still you know, running uh, the, the business of the church, and we want to make sure that we have the appropriate funds for utilities and whatnot. The, uh, just as a brief note, too, we, we still have projected the first day going back into the building on February the 7th. Um, we are going to be obviously reviewing that as we get closer and closer to that time 
Uh, so that's subject to change, as all of these dates are, based upon how things are going. The utmost safety is uh, the primary concern for our members, uh, especially for our elderly members, making sure that they are staying in a safe environment. So we are very conscious of that at the church. Pastor Gus and I discussed that yesterday, and we want to make sure that you uh, will just keep it in prayer as far as when that actually takes place, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, um, I think I've covered all the business that needs to be covered right now. We want to go ahead and get into Sunday school and get that started. So uh, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, we will be going, just so you're aware of it, uh, to 1 Timothy. We're going to start a study in 1 Timothy uh, and move into chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first 11 verses of 1 Timothy. A great study. Um, uh, it uh, reminds me, the very first study that I ever did uh, when I taught Sunday school, this was uh, uh, many moons ago when I was teaching uh, some children at a different church in Bedford, um, was 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. So this was actually the very first study that I ever did for Bible study for uh, a group. And we're going to revisit it again now. Uh, my goodness, how many years later? I won't even say. It's, <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your very presence this morning. Uh, we just thank you, Lord, for just giving us now the opportunity to just slow ourselves down and quiet ourselves and allow you to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, for just the reminders that you indeed are the one who is in control. And regardless of the storms of life, we know that you shelter us. You give us protection. And we thank you for all of that. We thank you for how you do all of those things. We thank you, Lord, for just being with us this morning. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Help us to be uh, allowed, uh, help us to allow ourselves to be just given wisdom and knowledge through your word, through what's being spoken. Um, we thank you, Lord, for how you give us discernment. You allow us to understand what is good and what is not good for us to be involved with. And we thank you. We give you praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Timothy chapter 1, covering the first 11 verses. This passage, this section of passages uh, that is, is going to be, we're going to cover today, are focusing on... Uh, how Paul is giving Timothy instructions uh, as well as the church on on how to b b behave properly, right belief, uh, right belief and what to, what we should be thinking about. And this is going to spend a lot of time talking about a warning <clears throat> against false teaching. There is, uh, it's probably very appropriate and very timely to always talk about being aware of false teaching. False teaching is something that, unfortunately, is much more prevalent today than what we can imagine. Uh, it's astounding when the more you go around people who talk about the Lord and talk about Jesus, who are just flat out always involved in uh, false teaching or hearing false teaching. And it's very important for us to make sure that we are doing everything we can to combat that. 
The best way to combat false teaching is for you to be in the Word and heavy duty in the Word and just making sure that through the power of the Holy Spirit, He speaks to you about truth. What we have to always guard against, though, is taking what God's truth is and molding it and shaping it into something that doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong when it comes to how you view things. Uh, and it's not how you view things as much as it is how God is trying to show you what you need to see. There are occasions where, frankly, God has to reveal truth to us based upon where we're coming from. And we need to see his truth. And I don't want to be hard-headed about any of that. I want to make sure that I'm always on the side of saying, yes, Lord, that is true, uh, rather than being told something different. So let's take a look at the passage and read through it. Not a long passage, but it's got a lot of teeth in it uh, to really make you start thinking and, and chewing on it. Starting with verse 1, we're reading from the New Living Translation, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior and Jesus and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Verse 5. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they speak so confidently. Verse 8, we know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Wow, that's, a, that's some kind of a passage there. Um, if you hadn't... Uh, don't remember that from before. It was a great reminder for me, and my mind was just going crazy uh, when I was looking at some of the descriptions that are being provided further down in the passage about the hearts of men and what they say and what they do. Now, let me give you a little background here before we get deeper into the passage, just so you'll know about the timing of this letter, because it's important to know these things as you study and look at Bible studies and, and understand um, that there is a timing here that needs to be taken into account. Well, first of all, the letter was written, of course, to Timothy, uh, who was a, the one of the leaders of the 
churches that uh, Paul had assigned. And he uh, wrote this letter in about A.D. 64 or 65, sometime after Paul's first imprisonment in Rome, which is referred to in Acts 28, verses 16 through 31. Now, apparently Paul was out of prison for a few years at that time, and he was revisiting many of the churches. He had gone around and went back around into Asia and Macedonia. And when he and Timothy returned to Ephesus, they found widespread false teaching. Widespread. A lot of stuff that was going on that just wasn't helpful. People were being misled. So he had warned the Ephesian leaders to be on guard against the false teachers who would inevitably come after he had left. That's amazing how you always have to be there to watch your own house. And once you leave, you never know what might happen after that. This is referred to in Acts 20, verses 17 through 31. So Paul sent Timothy to lead the Ephesian church while he moved on to Macedonia. So from there, Paul wrote the letter of encouragement and gave instruction to help Timothy deal with the difficult situation in the church. But later, Paul was arrested again, and he was put back in a Roman prison. So there's the timing of the letter, and we see the purpose of the letter. Uh, The purpose of the letter was to encourage Timothy because of all the stuff he was going through to try to overcome what had been taking place once Paul had left there. All kinds of false teaching. Um, Okay, so we understand that. And for those of you who have been exposed to false teaching, you know what it can be. It can be quite a chore to overcome those who try to assert themselves in authority or assert themselves in some position. This is exactly what Paul is referring to here in this letter. He is mentioning that there are a few people there that try to show themselves to be just as important, if not more important, uh, than others who are teaching the truth. And that's a great tool of Satan to do that. Satan will use an ego. And use an ego, unfortunately, unfortunately, in mighty ways to uh, convince people that you're the person worth following. Um, And that's what's very important for us to see here. He uses egos. Egos come into play big time when it comes to uh, feeling important um, no matter what. And that's really what it comes down to. Showing yourself to be smarter than everybody else. I don't know. That's Those are the first things that come to mind when I think about that. Let's go back to verse 1 of 1 Timothy. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus who gives us hope. And it's a reminder that Paul is referring to himself as an apostle. Um, he is one who is sent And he is rightfully using that terminology. He was sent by Christ to bring the message of salvation to the Gentiles. That was what his purpose was, and that's what he was doing. Uh, Take a quick look, uh, if you would please, at Acts chapter 13, verse 2. We'll start with verse 1. We wanted to uh, make sure that we see where this was taking place. Acts 13, 1 and 2. Now there were in the church at, uh, at Antioch prophets and teachers. Prophets and teachers. We always remember that. Prophets and teachers are completely appropriate in churches. And, and that's something that we need to understand too, even in modern churches. Uh, there's nothing that says that prophets uh, don't exist today. They certainly do. And teachers are also were prevalent there too. And, and this, is a, this is essentially a New Testament church we're referring to. Um, 
Ennead prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for, to which I have called them. And then we'll just read verse 3. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we see how this whole thing got started. Barnabas and Saul, which would later become Paul, were set aside to um, do this work. Uh, do the work that was called for them by the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit had to also impart that information to the individuals in the church to pray over them. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. So we've established, of course, that Paul is an apostle and he uh, has established this himself in his word and he is speaking truth. And he reads, writes again, he's writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy and Paul had a great relationship, very close. Um, Timothy was more of the understudy uh, to Paul uh, because he was younger and he learned a great deal and was a very strong leader in the church. So let's go to verse 3. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Now, this was like a four-alarm fire at the time uh, when we're looking at the control of a church. You understand something. If you let false teaching get out of hand, you can lose that church. Uh, that church is not uh, going to stay intact when there's all kinds of conflict. And that is why it's very important for us to make sure that we always tamp down and destroy any efforts of false teaching within any church doesn't really matter. There are many churches who are, who have been, uh, we'll just say, spiritually swept away because they allowed false teaching to take root and damage what was really taking place with believers. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life, faith, a life of faith in God. And understand that false teaching can be very subtle initially. It can be a very subtle thing. It may have embedded truth within it, but now when you start getting involved with talking about things that really don't matter uh, when it comes to the faith in Jesus Christ, that can be a stumbling block for a new believer. That can be a huge stumbling block. Endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. And it's interesting that the, uh, this passage, the New Living Translation, uses that types of language because it, it basically is referring to how when we talk about spiritual pedigrees we're referring to spirituality being in a sense maybe a greater sense than what someone else has or you're, you're, you're taking a position that because of who you are as a person you may have more on the ball than someone else well that's already as fleshly in the very sense of that way of thinking and so the church in Ephesus was plagued by the same heresy that was threatening the church at Coloss. The teaching to be acceptable to God, a person had to uh, discover certain hidden knowledge and had to worship angels. Um, that is in Colossians 2, 8 and verse 18. Uh, we, we can, well, let's take a look at it. Colossians 2, verse 8. Originally, I wasn't going to look at it. We need to... Um, on the wrong passage. Hold on. Went to the wrong place. Colossians 2, 8. There we go. 
and this is what was being referred to in the church of the Coloss church. Uh, the Colossians were getting into stuff that was not helpful uh, as far as being um, focused on who Jesus Christ was. They were focusing on other things. So let's take a look at Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And then if you look down at verse 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. This is exactly what uh, the Colossus Church was dealing with, and unfortunately, it was also being uh, it was an issue in the Ephesian Church as well too. The false teachers understand something. False teaching has one motivation and one motivation only: it puffs up the individual who is presenting the information. It motivates those individuals to have take care of their own interests, make themselves be more important rather than Christ's interest. They embroiled the church in endless and irrelevant questions and controversies, taking precious time away from studying the truth. Religious speculation and pointless theological arguments only sidetrack us from the central message of the gospel and sharing it with others, and they don't help people grow in the faith. Now, uh, for those of you who have been in Sunday school and have participated with Sunday school, uh, this sometimes was an issue. Uh, this was an issue in the midst of discussion where things were being said and done that were not necessarily beneficial. And we have to understand that the only way that you can deal with those things is to read and study yourself and pray for discernment from the Holy Spirit as to what's being said, what's being spoken. That's what's really important for us to see here. So when we have individuals who feel as though that they what they are saying is more important than everyone else, those are people that we really need to pull them to the side and say, look, the most important thing is a conversation about Christ and believing in him and making sure that everybody else who's exposed to messages and uh, statements being made are fulfilling that very mission uh, to fulfill. You're doing it for Christ. You're not doing it for yourself. Um, we have to guard against false teaching in churches. There is not a, it's not a happenstance thing. You have to guard against it. You have to speak out against it. If you don't speak out against it, if you don't address it or deal with it, then it's going to uh, permeate itself within people who are unaware of what's going on. Um, it's always unwise to glom on personalities. First thing that I can I can think of a reference when I think about those things are the TV evangelists. When you look at uh, people on television, you see a personality, you see a person, and the people get um, people get uh, hyped up in looking at people like Joel Osteen, or looking at maybe even uh, Casey Price, uh, maybe uh, looking at individuals who. Uh, have a dynamic personality, and we, they tend to follow the personality rather than first thing them, uh, following or going through the message and making sure that the message is strong when it comes to Christ is concerned. Uh, 
we're human beings and that's human nature. The human nature is what we have to uh, consider here. We have to look at how we, we do enjoy people like on TV, like Charles Stanley. We, um, we do, do know that there are ministers and pastors who have a very good way of speaking and, and can be very eloquent. Uh, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we are uh, looking not at the person, but at the message. And that's really where I'm going to leave that. I think everybody online understands what that means. Um, it's, but you notice that it's just a very, very per- pervasive issue in churches today when we look at false teaching. We need to make sure that we're screening everything and not leaving anything out. Don't make any assumptions. People do make mistakes. Uh, people who are also well-known in the faith, they make mistakes. So we need to make sure that we're paying attention to those things. Um, I can't think of his name right now. The, uh, the guy that, uh, he had a TV show. He, they actually had a TV show. It was like a variety show at the end, a black guy. I cannot think of his name. It's J- T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes. Perfect example of that. T.D. Jakes really just went away from uh, where he was grounded and rooted in his faith and really went into this, um, I don't want to say Hollywood. Uh, It might be the best way to look at it. It was a theatrical type thing. Uh, And wound up getting a variety show on TV to talk about different subjects. But um, that's what can happen if we are just following a person and not following what the Word is saying. So for those of you who are T.D. Jakes fans, I apologize, but I'm just telling it like it is. Um, that is uh, that is what I observed, and that, that is what uh, I think other people have probably observed as well, too. All right, so let's go further in the passage, 1 Timothy chapter 1, down to verse 5. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. I love how this passage is written. They don't know what they're talking about. I, You know, that's telling it like it is, isn't it? Um, but don't miss the first part of this. The purpose of the instruction was that people would be filled with a, with love, a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith, and not be misdirected by all kinds of stuff that had nothing to do with following Christ. And so we need to understand this from the standpoint that the purpose is to get love. That love comes from a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, a genuine relationship, a relationship that grows and develops over time because we're following Jesus Christ. If we're following Christ, he's going to give us that pure heart, he's going to give us that clear conscience, and the faith will be genuine because we are relying completely and entrusting upon him uh, as far as what's going on. But the comment here is very interesting. Many leaders and authorities today demand allegiance some of whom would even have us turn from Christ to follow them. Lord, help us when we allow people who are in that position of authority to turn us away from what is true and give us uh, and demand from us 
well, you support me or else. And so even churches who are proclaiming the word have to be careful that they do not also get caught up with individuals who uh, are making their personalities look look much larger uh, when looking at the church itself than larger than Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Everyone who is serving under uh, in that church is pointing to Jesus Christ. It's not about, well, we point to Jesus Christ and so-and-so, who's a pastor. Um, and that's not how it works. That is just not what we're doing. And we have to understand that when people look at that, and when people look at people like that, where they seem to show that they know the Bible or have some great insight into Bible, it can be very dangerous. It can be very subtle. Um, the modern-day false teachers are out there, but when it comes right down to it, they don't know what they're talking about. So how do you recognize false teachers? Well, there are four points here we're going to look at, and we'll go through these relatively quickly, hopefully. First point is they teach what is contrary to the truth found in Scripture. You won't know if that person is teaching a falsehood about Scripture unless you do your own studying. You've got to be a Berean. You've got to be in an Acts 17.11 Berean studying Scripture. A lot of people are very naive today when it comes to Scripture. They believe everything they're being told. And that's dangerous. That's not correct. Um, I would you know, challenge everyone to go back and even go over what we put online and we put in, in video and go back and, and read and study for yourself. Um, if I make a mistake, I'll own up to it and, and, and definitely own up to it because uh, I don't want to make any mistakes. Honestly, that's just not what I want to do, but it's going to happen because we're human beings. But we want to make sure that we're, what we're teaching, what we're not teaching, is anything contrary to the truth. Take a look. Um, I'm going to have you drop ahead real quick in 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy 4, uh, verses 1 through 3. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3. This is why we do not want to allow any false teaching because false teachers are very damaging and they're damaging within the faith and they can impact people who are unaware and uh, lack knowledge or have the desire, don't have the desire to study and challenge and make sure that what is being said is true. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. This is being stated. It's going to happen. It's not something that is going to be speculation. There are going to be some people who are going to be deceived because they're paying attention to the wrong things. They're paying attention to things that they think will make them more spiritual. In fact, it's being disobedient to God altogether. Uh, that's the best way to look at this passage in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3. It's disobedience. If you're being disobedient, you're going to... Uh, do those things that you think are going to make you feel either more important 
or make you feel like you're more spiritual. Um, I've heard that before. You know, I've heard someone say, um, uh, make a comment about being, you know, I'm too spiritual for this. You know, they're going to do what? What is that? You know, it, that is just basically Satan. It's it's uh, it's just listening to Satan. It's not in any way, shape, or form following Christ. And I and I've heard that, and it, it comes out of someone's mouth, and you look at them, it's like, boy, I'm gonna pray for you because you need it. You are being deceived mightily. And you're in that category of uh, the First Timothy chapter four category there, where you are um, looking at people who are well, you're looking at your own flesh, number one, and you're looking at things that you have no business paying attention to. Um, we we want to make sure that we are paying attention to that as far as recognizing a false teacher. The second thing, they promote trivial and divisive controversies instead of helping people come to Jesus. That's what was referred to back in four, verse four which we already read. Um, Trivial and divisive controversies instead of helping people come to Jesus. What is the purpose? What does it say in Matthew uh, 28? We're we're helping people to come to a consciousness of Jesus Christ. We're helping people to recognize that they need to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying, recognizing what God is speaking to them about. And not allowing themselves to think, well, God wants this or God wants that. No, God wants, he wants you to come to a saving knowledge. And then from there, the Spirit's going to teach. But you don't get involved with stuff that doesn't mean anything. And I've, I've heard way too many conversations, I'm sure Pastor Gus has too, I'll speak for him too, that have nothing to do with following Christ. It has everything to do with following something different. Just to be clever. Number three, they aren't concerned about personal evidence of God's presence in their lives, spending their time on meaningless talk instead. And that's what verse six is referring to here. They're not concerned about personal evidence of God's presence in their lives. It doesn't mean anything to them. One of the most important things when we're having communication with other individuals is that we are relating to them what God has done to us in our lives personally there is a personal connection and in order for you to connect with someone else you have to express those things um it can't be just me me i i it has to be more about what christ has done in your life and you can convey that information to someone else uh when you're getting involved with meaningless talk all you're doing is distracting and trying to look more clever yourself and distracting from who christ is And so that has always been a danger, and that is something that we have seen. And we must combat it. We must combat it. In fact, even in the midst of a conversation like that, you may want to combat it and just say, look, what has Christ done for you? Rather than talking about things that don't mean anything, it's all about what Jesus Christ has done. What has Christ done for you? What is Christ doing for you right now? What has Christ done for you over the last 10, 11 months? What has he done to help you through a very trying time in our society? What has he done to be able to help you overcome all the things that we see right in front of us, the things we see uh, out in public today, the things that we see in the world today? What has he done? What has Christ done to help you to manage and deal with those issues rather than talking about things that don't mean anything? And this is a bigger problem probably than we realize Um, in churches today.
it's a bigger problem than we probably realize. We probably just don't know uh, how often Satan will try to derail believers because he wants to see people engaging in false teaching. Just speaking falsehoods um, and talking about things that don't mean anything. And the fourth point is their motivation is to make a name for themselves. That is exactly what it says in verse 7. Look back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 again. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. You have a lot of people who have very slick tongues and can make themselves sound very important. And I don't think I have a slick tongue. I don't want a slick tongue. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to... I don't want to look like, yeah, that's a, <laughs> nothing, nothing like that at all. I don't, I don't, because I stumble over my words sometimes. I, uh, I have to slow myself down sometimes in speaking because I want to make sure that I'm saying, saying it clearly as well as saying it correctly. But I don't want a slick tongue. I want to make sure that I'm speaking in such a way where even if I stumble over my words a little bit, um, what comes out eventually, once you understand it, is truth. So that's what that's the most important thing. <laughs> Amen. That's the most important thing. What comes out is truth. So um, I don't want to be that person that doesn't know what they're talking about. I uh, I think that's very important. And you know, we there is such a term that we've heard about, our, which we call educated fools. And uh, there are a few of those out there. Um, I don't no need to mention any names because it's not really relevant as to who it is, but um, there are educated fools out there that uh, may have a degree, may have uh, uh, information they want to impart, but it's, it comes across where it's more an ego than it is about Christ. So that's what we want to always avoid. If you want to protect yourself from the deception of false teaching, learn what the Bible teaches and remain steadfast in your Christ, in, in your faith in Christ alone. Learn what the Bible teaches. No false teacher can touch you if you know what the Bible says. If you know what the Bible says, you'll be able to combat any false teaching. Unfortunately, a lot of people just take the word of the speaker and basically are Christians one day a week, maybe on Sundays. And the other six days, they don't do their own studying, they don't do their own reading, they don't do anything. They... Um, uh, if you want to make an indictment for some churches, they'll open up a passage one verse and preach on that one verse and not expand upon that or go somewhere else in the book of the Bible and try to cross-reference what's being said, well, that should never really be happening in churches today. Um, the message must be much more important than the music. And that's not to take away from the praise music because the praise music is important. But in a lot of churches, sometimes the music is more important. The entertainment value is more important. I can go on and on and on uh, about this because after being exposed with, to a number of churches as I was growing up, the entertainment value seemed to overshadow what was being said in the pulpit. Can't be. You can't do those things. Um, so that is where I'm going to uh, rest and sit on that. And, and uh, if anyone has any comments about that, you're welcome to add those to the comments below um, in the uh, this particular section, and we'll be happy to address those. But uh, we've been, we've all been exposed to it, so we know what it is. But the only way to combat all of that is to insist that the word be taught, 
And at the very least, it starts in your own home. It starts with you and your own personal study and seeking out the Lord in prayer as you read for greater understanding. He's going to give it to you. If you ask for it, he's going to give it to you. In Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask, seek, and knock. If, you, if you're asking him, he's going to give it to you. You, gotta be, you have to insist upon uh, hearing the truth and listening to the truth and looking for the truth. Now, one other thing that they, they did in Ephesus, just to point out back in verse 6, the false teachers at Ephesus constructed vast speculative systems, then argued about minor details of their wholly imaginary ideas. You know, there's, there is such a good thing as imagination, but not when it comes to Scripture. Uh, imagination only has a, a, a value if you're trying to understand something that you can't really see but it's not departing from the meaning of what the scripture is. But these guys were all over the place using their imagination and going way off into the deep end and completely distracting people about Jesus Christ. We should not allow nothing to distract us from the good news of salvation, which is the main point of scripture. That's what we need to be doing. We should know what the Bible says, apply it to our lives daily, and teach it to others. Can you teach others about what God's word is? Can you teach them? Can you show them by opening the Bible and direct them to certain passages about God's goodness? Do you know where to put, take them? Do you know where to go and show people those things? Um, I'm going to challenge everyone. You need to know these things. You absolutely have to know. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about speaking to a person about Jesus Christ, you need to be able to go to the Bible and go to places that will help that person to be more exposed to God's goodness and what God wants for every one of us, you should be able to open the Bible and take them somewhere. Now, you know, Romans, we, we talk about Romans Road, which is uh, in Romans. That's a, that's a very easy place to go. But I challenge you, go other places too. There's other places where you can find this information. God uh, speaks about his goodness in the book of John uh, in many different areas. Uh, that's something that we have to look at and, and understand. Always be prepared to take someone down a path that will help them. You don't save anybody. That, that's not your job. But you do give them instruction and guidance as to where to go and how to pray for greater understanding from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can pray. You know, that's, that's what really comes down to being very important. The first, the first prayer that any believer ever had was praying for God to come into his life. So that was something that had to be done. That was an unbeliever who became a believer, right? So prayers are something that everyone can do. Um, of course, you know, people who don't know the Lord pray for all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the Lord usually. But when it comes down to hearing the Spirit speak, the Spirit will take care of the rest. Um, know how to show them where to go in Scripture. Continue to encourage people to ask and seek and knock. And that is exactly what we should be doing. Okay. Last part of the passage here, verses 8 through 11. We know that the law is good when used correctly. Used correctly. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. 
And understand, murder uh, is not just the physical, but it's also the spiritual. It, we're referring to uh, two different things here. They're, the connotation here is that you know you can murder your father or mother uh, when you're disrespectful to them, when you're unkind to them, when you're mistreating them. These are all things that we need to understand as well, too. Um, that it doesn't have to do with physical. We uh, need to understand this passage for what it really is saying. And the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. So... We need to understand what the law is and that there is a penalty, a potential penalty penalty for sin because God um, is the one who has to forgive that sin. And there's always consequences for this type of behavior too. Another passage, I think is NIV, when you go down to verse 10, actually talks about the word perverts. Uh, we're talking about all different kinds of sexual deviancy and, and we need to make sure that this is included in this discussion here. And now... This is really interesting. This just occurred to me as I'm, I'm speaking about this. It can be very convenient for people to ignore passages in order to justify their own existence. False teachers, they wanted to become famous as teachers of God's law, but they didn't even understand the law's purpose. And so now we have people in positions in churches in authority who will ignore certain aspects of the law to justify their own agendas, issues, personal uh, situations. Know that that happens in churches today. This, you know, it just hit me just like this. I, my mind just blew up right there. When you look at what it says here in First Timothy about who is the law for? Those very people who insist upon doing what's wrong and yet they teach something different or ignore a passage altogether to justify an agenda. I'm not mentioning any names and I'm not mentioning any specific churches or denominations. If you do your own research, you can look these things up. And, but understand that this is happening. It is pervasive today. Pervasive. It is something that is much more prominent and prevalent than what you would ever imagine um, taking place. But yet there it is. It's right there in front of you. The law was not meant to give believers a list of commands for every occasion, but to show unbelievers their sin and bring them to God. We know because we believe in Christ, we're not under condemnation. So we understand that our, our law is wrapped up in Christ for those who believe in him. But unbelievers or people who truly are not following Christ, they are making their own bed and lying in it. So we need to understand that that is what's very important here. The false teachers are going to do whatever they do to justify their own existence, make themselves more important than Christ, make everyone feel who challenges them that, well, you're wrong, and I'm right, and honestly, you know, a lot of people are going to be saying things when right is wrong and wrong is right today, because we see that all the time. And that's what's caused many churches to split, many denominations to be fractured, 
because these individuals who have their own agenda, have their own way of thinking or seeing things, they're ignoring scripture and using their own agendas to promote lifestyles or actions or do things that they know uh, if they really were challenged by the word of God that they shouldn't be doing. So that can be a very traumatic thing for many people who have been in churches and they see these changes take place. And that's something that we need to be aware of and we need to pray for those individuals because it's very hard when you're in a church for 20 years and something happens in that church where you have a change of leadership or a change of philosophy or a change of lifestyle and it's very traumatic for many believers who are caught up in that, who want to be instructed, who want to be taught. But that believer needs to take responsibility for himself and make sure that he's doing everything he can to look at this closely. I want to look at one passage. Go to Romans 13, verses 9 and 10. And we're going to be closing out here because um, kind of got on a roll there a little bit. That's how it goes. Romans 13, verses 9 and 10. This is about what Paul is teaching about our relationship to the law. Romans 13, verses 9 and 10. Of course we have commandments that we follow. Of course there are things that are taught that we must uh, look to and follow very closely. It says... For the commandments, in verse 9, Romans 13, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 10, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. This is what our relationship is as believers. The love of Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Christ himself is the Sabbath. He's the one who took on all of those things and showed us the importance of looking to him in all things. It's not like we go to Christ for one thing and go over here for others. No, we go to Christ for everything. He is the one who is the fulfillment of the law. That's what we need to recognize and see here. And that is why we always focus on Christ when it comes to discernment, when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to knowledge, testing and checking to see that what's being said is true. And if you fail to do that, that's really on you as a believer. You really need to take responsibility for that. Um, if someone can show that something is uh, untrue has been said, then show it. Uh, don't feel like you are, you know, don't feel like you're going to come up against somebody, but just show it. And that's what you have to do because we want to strive to teach correctly. And you need to be able to discern what is truth. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for how you continue to just teach us and show us the importance of having discernment. And Lord, whether we have that gift of discernment or whether we have to pray for your guidance, we still want that discernment. We want the ability to see that what we're being exposed to, what we're learning is indeed truth. And, Lord, we know that the best defense sometimes is a good offense. And that offense is just being more and more studied in the Word, being more and more intelligent in the Word, being more and more involved with what the Word says and allowing the Spirit 
to speak to us for the proper application. We thank you for your teaching today. We thank you for showing us the importance of making sure that we are discerning what is being, what is being taught to be true and overcoming any false teaching of any sort, even to the point where you have to, you have to remove someone from our midst and get them out, then that's what you would do. Of course, you would always treat those individuals with love and speak to them in truth and help them and provide guidance to them. But we know sometimes that that doesn't always work out. All the more reason just to stay prayerful and stay focused on what you have to say to us. We thank you for those lessons that you teach us. We thank you for challenging us to read and study each day and do what's necessary to be studied up. And we give you praise and thanks in the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to thank you for being with us this morning for Sunday School. We ask that you just stay online and look at the message. It'll be in the timeline once you leave this broadcast, uh, the message for today. Um, the message, it's going to be all right. Um, that's uh, important for you to do and, to do and see today. That everything, no matter what's going on in the world today, is just going to be just fine. And just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. Thanks for being here this morning. Reach out to someone in the congregation. Please reach out to someone in the congregation who's not able to be part of this. Well, just as a reminder, call on someone, say hello to them, check on them, make sure everything is okay. God bless you all. Uh, all praise to the Lord Jesus Christ for his inspiration. And we'll see you next time. God bless you all.